Hello, and welcome to the XL Books Podcast. It's Molly. On my show, we like to talk about work, family, and life. For those of you that are new to my channel, please visit me on the web at xelbooks.com and discover the host of services I can offer you to help you activate your dream. Um, For my wonderful legacy fans, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you'll enjoy today's message. So today I want to talk to you about battle plans. Battle plans. What are battle plans? What what does that have to do with work, family, and life? Molly, I'm not in the army. I'm not going to be on the front lines. What are you talking about? Um, I want to talk to you about battle plans because I believe they are an essential part of our success in life. It's something we can apply to literally every aspect of things that we do. And battle plan is really not as hard as we think it is, but it does require, I guess you could say a little bit of planning, right? So let's start by what is a battle plan? A battle plan is an action. It's a sequence of um, deliverables or things that you're going to do that you activate when you need to fight for something. Um, when you want to have success and you want to guarantee your victory, you implement a battle plan. And in the area of work, family, and life, this can be easily done. Um, what comes to mind is, you know, off the top is I think about family. If you're thinking, how do I have a battle plan with family? I'm glad you asked. Um, I want you to picture this scenario with me. You're in the grocery store. You're getting just a few items. You're not doing the full month of shopping. You just needed a few things to help you get through the week. You're waiting in line to get to the next available cash register. And in front of you is a family with a young child. The young child is sitting in the shopping cart and they are screaming. I mean, they are screaming as loud as they can. And not only are they screaming, they are throwing things at the parent. They're hitting them with their toy. They're saying, no, I want this. Let me down. Get me out. Ah," You know, and no matter what the parent does, this parent, this child is being unruly. They're making such a commotion that it's unavoidable to notice. People behind and around you are noticing it. And on the inside, you're not sure how to handle it. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to add insult to injury. But at the same token, their kid is really working my nerve. (laughs) And then on the same token, you're like, I feel really bad for that parent because they have to deal with this. I wish I knew what to do. You ever been in a scenario like that? I have many times. And I've always thought, how do you solve that situation, right? How do you make sure, how do you address something like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually saw a video a long time ago, well, not too long ago, maybe about two years ago. I saw this video and I thought, oh my gosh, this parent is a genius. Why does every parent not do this? Why didn't I do this when my kids were that age? Um, I was like, this is just a brilliant idea. 
So I saw a parent who actually had a battle plan for an unruly child. And it was really, really simple. So they had the exact same scenario I just mentioned. They're in the store. Their kid is getting unruly. They're screaming. And they weren't in the cart. They were literally hanging on to the foot of the parent to where the parent starts to walk. And now they can't because the child is hanging on to them, screaming, kicking, and having a fit. This parent did this battle plan. As soon as they saw that this kid was not going to behave, they stopped, flagged the nearest available person who was working there. They said, excuse me, is it okay if I leave this cart here for just a moment? I need to go get something from my car. And like, sure, no problem. It'll be be right here when you come back. At this moment, the parent took their child, walked out of the store and sat on top of the car. Not in the car, but on top of the car. And let the kid have that. And so people were coming by, they're like, oh my gosh. And they're like, nope, I'm out here in the open, so you can't say that you, you know, I'm doing something wrong with my kid. You hear them screaming, you can see that they're screaming of their own accord. And they just sat there. And after a moment of the kid screaming, the kid's kind of looking around like, can I have juice? No. No, you can't. You know why? Because juice is inside the store. Can we go get the juice? Are you done screaming? Yeah. They start to move. Kids start screaming again. Oh, let's go back to the car. And every moment or so, the parent would ask them, you know, hey, are you done? Are you ready? Are you ready to go in and do this like a big girl? They're like, yes. Okay, great. No spankings involved. No yelling. No insulting there. Uh, their dignity or telling them they're dumb or anything crazy like that. Just literally letting them sit there, get it out, letting them know we're going to do this all day if we have to. And when the kid realized, okay, you are not going to let me behave like this and I'm going to be stuck on top of this car. I can't listen to my favorite music. I can't get my snack. I can't get my juice. You're just going to make me sit here in torment. Eventually the kid was like, okay, I'm ready to do this now. And as soon as they started walking out, you know, in the parking lot, the kid like started to whimper just a little bit. They said, oh, we're going back to the car. No, no, no. You're good. I'm good. And that kid was quiet and behaved the entire time throughout the checkout. I thought that was a brilliant battle plan because what that parent did was they said, you know what? I know my child is going to do this at some point. There has to be something I can do. I'm not going to sit inside the line and be tormented internally waiting, you know, to figure out how to address my kid when we get out because then the damage is already done. I'm addressing it the moment that it happens. I'm also alleviating the pressure and pain that other, you know, onlookers and bystanders are enduring because of my kid's behavior. Um, And I'm addressing it in a way that is uh, not harmful to my kid. I thought this was a brilliant battle plan. Now, let me caveat this. Um, if you live in the tundra, don't put your kid on top of the car. Don't don't sit. On, and when I say they were sitting on top of the car, the parent was with them. It's not like they're on the hood of the car. I mean, they weren't like on the roof of the car. They were like on the hood of the car. And they were with their kid the entire time. So I want to put that out there so you don't think, oh my gosh, it's child abuse. No, it's not. Um, they were literally sitting right there with them. Kind of like if you were watching... Um, you know, a drive-in movie and you're sitting on the hood of your car. Um, That's all that was. 
But if you live where it's cold, and you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, you breathe and the icicle starts laughing at you uh, because you thought you'd have breath coming out and instead you got icicles coming out. Um, don't don't sit on top of the car. Go in the car uh, with the heat on, you know, <laughs> stay warm, be safe by all means. Um, and that scenario may not work for every family and every kid, right? You know, one, because every kid is different. Um, you know, when I think about my own children, I have the kind of kids growing up that if I so much as looked at them and said, I'm disappointed, just saying the words, I'm disappointed in you. Oh my gosh, my kids were just born again, good citizen. They're quiet. They're behaved. They're writing me letters telling me how they're going to be better children next time. You know, they're repenting, they're praying. I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just born again, good citizen. Um, that's what worked for my kids. So I would never have to go to that point. Cause I would just literally look and say, I'm disappointed in you. And that would be the, the end of it. Um, but you know, your kid, you know, operate in a way that works for your family. But I wanted to give you that scenario so you could get a feel for how do these battle plans work. Um, let's switch gears and talk about it from a work life perspective. And I'm going to combine the two because I think that it can apply in any scenario um, in those two categories. So with work and life, as we all know, the unexpected happens continuously, right? Um, you can almost predict it. Uh, you know, you have a good day, you're like, yep, wait a few hours, uh, something's going to come up. You know, it can get to that point some days. And when I think about this, I think of a particular scenario, right? Because anything could happen, right? You could have a death of a loved one. You could have a, a bill that came up that you're like, oh, I forgot to pay that. You know, your wonderful HR team could forget to take taxes out of your check. And now you're going to be shorter next week. You know, anything could happen. But there's always a way to handle it with a battle plan that can help reduce the stress that you have and help you succeed in your mission. And I want to talk to you about a specific work example that I think can apply to most of us. And if treated, you know, correctly, you could really, uh, really take yourself to the next level. So imagine this. You're at work. You are counting down the hours to get off at 5 p.m. Why? Because you have an appointment at 6 p.m. You have been waiting for this appointment for two months. You booked it in advance. Um, you communicated the PTO. You got everything out that you could have done. Everyone knows that you have this appointment at 6 o'clock. And they know that you're leaving at 5 on the nose. No excuses. You must leave. You're going to lose money if you don't go. And you've done everything you can do. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this, do this. I'm going to delegate this task. I'm going to go here, do that. And I'll be able to leave on time. And 4.55 p.m., you get a message from your boss. I need you to redo the entire thing that you just did. We've got to send it out tonight. Uh, the report's got to go out again. I know this is inconvenient, but I really need you to do it. This is a scenario where you need a battle plan. <laughs> and I know you're thinking, Molly, what am I going to do at this point? I'm going to tell you what you can do now. So the first thing you want to do is you want to have an analysis. And you're like, Molly, what the heck? I don't even work in that. 
analysis. I, are you speaking English? Yes, I'm speaking English. I want you to do some analysis. And I want you to compare what can move and what can't move. And you can do this in whatever way works for you. You can do it mentally. You can write it down on a piece of paper. I often benefit from having it written down so I can see it. And I may get a piece of paper and on one side of the paper, I put the word move. On the other side of the uh, paper, I put cannot move. And then I start listing, according to my scenario, what can move and what can't. The first thing I'm going to put on there is my appointment cannot move. It can't. And why? Because I booked it ahead of time and I'm going to lose money and I'm not rescheduling this and they know and I just don't feel like it. You know, whatever those reasons are, I can't move this appointment. I put it on my can't move side. Then the other side, I'm going to put the task that's being asked of me. Resend report, but I'm going to put a question mark over there. A question mark and maybe a little blank space. Why am I putting a question mark? Because, and the reason I'm putting it in the move column is because nine times out of ten, what's being asked of you at that last minute does not have to be done at that moment. It doesn't. You got to think about it like this. When you have pressure, it's a chain reaction. You've got your executive feeling all the heat and then they transfer that pressure down to their managers and that manager transfers it down to their team member and that usually it's you and that pressure comes down to you and everything sounds like it's urgent everything but everything is not urgent contrary to popular belief it is not and if you write that down you say okay well they want this report sent out now i'm going to write down some questions. And these are some key questions that I've used over the years that have really helped me mentally balance my life. I'll say number one, is the audience of this report, are they going to be viewing this report this evening? And that's a very valid question to ask because that makes a difference in whether or not you either need to A, delegate this task to someone um, or if it can wait till morning, because most of the time they're sending it to you a couple minutes before five, I can almost guarantee you those executives are not sitting there waiting at 7 PM for you to finish that report for them to read at that minute. Um, now every line of work is different. Some jobs you absolutely have to do that. That's a whole different scenario. I'm talking about the basic norm, right? Most of them work at eight to five, just like you, and they are not staying up late for you to send your one little report for them to say, oh, well, okay, those numbers look okay. It's not going to make that big of an impact. Um, you may also want to ask, you know, um, what are the impacts if I send this at 8 a.m.? And this makes a difference because, you know, it may be that they're like, okay, if we don't have this, we won't have a department. Maybe they're making a decision on layoffs based on your report. I don't know. So that's a good question to ask. And then the other thing you want to ask on there is, who can I delegate this task to? Now, this is where trust comes in. And I'm, I may do an episode on this because people have asked me about it before. And I think I'm going to cover it just for you guys. Um, but this is where trust comes in. 
If you are operating in a silo to where you are the only one that does what you do and no one else can figure out how to do what you do or has access to do what you do, there's a problem because that means that you have nothing to rely on when you have a scenario like this where you can't move that appointment. You've got to have somebody who can do what you do. It's called a contingency plan. Um, and I think we'll cover that in another episode and I'll talk to you about the power of contingency plans. Um, but you want to know who can you delegate this task to? Why? Because you can't move your appointment. And then once you have those questions, so we've only listed about three of them, you want to immediately reply to your manager and say, Hey, um, is the audience going to view this report this evening? If they're not, is it okay to send it at 8 a.m.? What are the consequences? And they'll let you know. They may say, hey, this has to go up by 8 p.m. or we're going to lose our job. Great. Who can I delegate this to? Because I have an appointment. It'll end in an hour and a half. Is it okay if I send it at 10 p.m. instead of 6 p.m.? You know, and they may say, sure, as long as it's there before midnight. Um, Most of the time that I've been in scenarios where they say, you know what, just send it in the morning, but it's got to be on their desk before they clock in. Great. Then that means I can go have my normal evening. I can get up early, do the report and have it on their desk by 8 a.m., usually 730, just to make sure that I did all I could do. Um, or they may say, no, it has to be done in an hour. OK, great. Who can I delegate to? And they may not know who you can delegate to. So this is where your contingency plan kicks in. And you say, you know what? I've been training this person over here how to do my work that's in our department. They have the credentials, the instructions, the process. They are ready. And it may take them a little longer to do it than me, but they can deliver this report this evening while I'm at my appointment. And what's great about that is you're presenting a solution. You're not just saying, okay, I'm asking questions just to see if I can get out of it. You're asking questions and you already have a plan. You already have contingency. You've already thought about uh, what you need to do. Um, and that way, the, the manager doesn't have to figure out how to solve the problem. That is how you have an effective battle plan. Um, and that's how you deal with the what I call the reactive battle plan, Right. Because we just, you know, you didn't know this was going to happen at 4.55 p.m. You were going about your day like a normal person and then things happened. You know, that's a reactive way to, to resolve issues. But let's talk about a proactive battle plan. Now, in that scenario, let's go backwards and look at PTO. This is something that people often forget to do. They you know, make their appointment, take their PTO, put the request in. And they don't think about when they put the request in and how long it's going to be between the request and the actual date. And then they get frustrated when the boss says, well, I didn't know you were going to be gone. I need you to do this report. And you're thinking, but I already put the request in. Shouldn't you already know? I'm going to give you some insight in case you didn't know. Managers are busy. There, I said it. I said it. Shame on you, Molly. Why would you tell us the truth? Because I care. Um, <laughs> you know, managers are busy. 
most managers that I have encountered spend most of their day in meetings, six out of the eight hours of their day. And on top of that, they're still supposed to manage their teams, approve payroll, um, you know, delegate tasks, you know, do performance reviews, all this stuff. And they give them like, what, an hour, maybe two hours of the entire day to do it. And they can't do it because they spent six hours in meetings. There are meetings about the meeting. And then they're in the meeting about having another meeting. And if they should have a meeting about the meeting, they just met about, you know, so they're just constantly swamped. And so a lot of times people get frustrated in this scenario. So like, but you knew I was on PTO. Here's some ways you can be proactive. Number one, get to know the style of your manager. The style? What's the style of my manager? The style of your manager. You know if your manager is the kind of person who, how can I put it? You have managers that are like, okay, if it's not on my desk in a post-it note, I'm going to forget. Right? Um, You have the kind of manager that says, you've got to remind me 30 minutes before you go that you're going to go and how long you're going to be gone. Um, you may have a manager that says, if you're going to go, you've got to put it in these three systems first and only after I approve it. Right. And are you thinking, why does this matter? Um, you may have a manager who never reads emails, right? They only read, um, an instant messaging chat or something. Um, or they only do emails and they look for emails religiously, you know, You've got to know the style of your manager. Why does that matter? Because based on the style of your manager, you can make some proactive plans. For example, my manager is absolutely awesome. And my manager happens to be someone that says, I need it on my calendar and I need it in our company system. But it's got to be on that calendar first. Matter of fact, even if you don't put it in the system, put it in the calendar because then I can approve it I can, um, or review it and I can have a forward thinking of, oh, you're going to be out of office on this day. Got it. Let me do this. And you may think that's overkill, right? Cause you're thinking I went through the training with HR. HR said, all I need to do is click this button over here. I clicked that button. Why do I have to do this in addition to that? Here's why, because you're guarding and protecting your own peace. This has nothing to do with what quote unquote should be done in your opinion. It's about how do I protect my peace so that I still get my time off that I need and there's as little backlash as possible, right? Because you want to have a good working relationship with the people that are over and around you. And if you know the flow of your manager and you know, okay, my manager said it's got to be on this calendar. And on top of that, they're going to want reminders, And they're going to want to know 30 minutes before. This is when you use those features. Use that Outlook feature. Use that delayed delivery if you need to. And schedule it to go out 30 minutes before you go. That way they get the email when they need to get it, just like they asked you to. You put it on their calendar, just like they asked you to. You can even maybe schedule another email to go out 30 minutes later at the time you're going to leave. So they know, oh, I got two reminders. It takes just a few minutes to set them all up and then it's done. Um, Know the style 
And then your manager doesn't feel like, oh, wow, I can't rely on them because they're going to be out and I don't know when they're going to be out. Another part of being proactive. Think about the timing between when you requested the time and when you're taking the time. What do I mean by that? Now, there's nothing wrong with taking PTO, right? Matter of fact, I think more people should take PTO when they have it. Um, But you got to think about the timing. So say you work for a company and you have unlimited PTO. And you want to take time off tomorrow. But you haven't put the request in. That's going to cause some friction. Why? Because you're giving your leader and your team less than 24 hours to adjust. It's not that it can't be done. But heroics now have to happen in order for your request to be fulfilled. Now they've got to think, who can do this when they're not there? 24 hours, I thought they were going to be able to do this. Now I've got to figure out how we're going to get this report done and that task done. Oh, this is really inconvenient. And even worse, because you're requesting it 24 hours in advance and not several days in advance, your leader, worst case scenario, could not even see the request. Why? Because they're busy. (laughs) They're in meetings, they're doing everything there is. And I know what you may be thinking. Molly, that's not my problem. I'm not the manager. They should just adjust. Isn't that their job? Isn't that what? Just because someone is paid to do something doesn't mean that they're perfect. They're human beings. And it doesn't mean that they don't need consideration or a little bit of wiggle room to help them adjust. It's very easy to think, oh, this is why um, I can't get anything done because, you know, the manager isn't doing this or that. You know, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Now, I'm, I'm saying this to you as someone who has been on both sides of the fence. So if you're listening and you're thinking, Molly, you're just saying that because, you know, you, you like to, I don't know, be super extra nice to your boss. Um, I have been a manager and I've been not a manager. I have literally been on both sides of the spectrum and multiple times. And I can tell you that consideration of the other person, regardless of their role, can help you really succeed. Because no one wants to be you know, taken advantage of, and no one wants to be treated as if they're supposed to have all the answers. Um, you could have a new manager. They could be a young manager. They could be a seasoned manager that just says, okay, I'm tired of the, the red tape of my work. You don't know what they're going through. Um, that's a way to be proactive. Now, I'm going to give you two more mini uh, things to do for this proactive battle plan. Let's talk about mini motivators. And you're like, Molly, where do you get this stuff from, right? Um, I get it from prayer. Um, But many motivators. So I want to tell you two many motivators that can really help you. Now, if you know that you have a stressful job and you wear your feelings on your face, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're the kind of person that if you're sad, we can see it. You don't even have to say it because we can see it on your face. You look miserable. Um... You know, when you're happy, we can see because you're just beaming. You can't hold back the smile. You're the person when they tell you you're promoted. I mean, you can't stop grinning. They can tell before you even say you're happy. Um, I'm talking about that person. You know you wear feelings on your face. One of the best things you can do to be proactive is to have many motivators. And you can do this in two ways. Because I know I'm always going to be on Zooms and things like that. 
I will sometimes put a post-it note because I wear my feelings on my face and I will stick it on the monitor screen, not at the bottom hanging there, but on the screen. And when I open up my Zoom meeting, I'll have the Zoom on one side and the post-it note on the other. And why do I do that? And I'll put that post-it note there so that I can remind myself of how to physically respond. So as I'm listening to the drama that's happening, that's stressing me, and I feel my blood boiling because they're telling me yet another task I need to do, um, I have a post-it note that'll say, remember, smile always, or don't let them see you sweat, or it's okay, you can handle this, it's okay, God is your source, you know, whatever I've got to put up there to remind myself that this is what I need and how I need to respond, I'll put that there. So while I'm at the Zoom, I see that post-it note constantly telling me, are you smiling? Did you smile? Make sure you smile. And that allows me to keep the right face when I'm on camera. So they're like, you are always positive. I'm like, not necessarily. Um, (laughs) You know, I just trust my God. The other thing that I do is I have a motivational song, right? Uh, Pick a song that motivates you, something with lyrics that allows you to really see um, the best side of yourself. Find a song like that. Um, I like a song by Britt Nicole's called Gold, and every lyric in there is motivating, saying no matter what you've been told, you're worth more than gold. Sometimes that helps me because I feel worthless. You know, you're in the job, you're like, I feel powerless. I feel like I can't do anything. Oh my gosh. You know, and you have the song and you're like, oh yeah. I feel better now. Um, if you're a person, you say, Molly, I don't have that kind of song. And Brit Nicole, not my style. Totally get that. Find a motivational podcast. Um, I like listening to um, Motivationly. Um, and they have, not only do they have songs or do they have motivational speeches, but they'll put the speech in the form of a song. And that will actually allow me to hear something that kind of gets me in a, in a positive feel-good mood but it also gives me the words I need to hear like are you going to quit or are you going to keep trying are you going to just stay on the ground or are you going to get back up you know don't give up yes you can yes you can win whatever it is that really drives you and have that ready and give yourself a five minute motiv- mini motivator you don't have five minutes, give yourself three minutes. You don't have three minutes, give yourself one minute. But take a minute and encourage yourself so that you can be the person you need to be. If you do these things, you use your mini motivators, you're proactive, you're thinking ahead, you start, you know, uh, having your contingency plans, you know, all these different things. I believe it will help you succeed in almost every area of your life. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, be blessed. I pray you're full of peace, that you prosper in every area, and that you would have complete joy. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Excel Books Podcast with Molly. You can find more helpful resources and services at xclbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send us a message at xelbooks.com or email xelbooks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more tips on work, family, and life.